Good morning. This is Tuesday, April 29, 2014, and Audible presents the New York Times Audio Digest. Here's what's making news. On the front page today, Obama defends his foreign policy. White House sets a college agenda on sex assaults and a deadly fungus and questions at a hospital. In today's national headlines, storms carve deadly path through the Midwest. Snowden retained expert in Espionage Act defense, and state's gay marriage ban is challenged by liberal church. In today's business headlines, Pfizer proposes a merger and a move to Britain. Bank finds a mistake, $4 billion less in capital, and at a meeting, the Fed is likely to again cut its bond buying. There will be more business stories, more national and world news, too. A roundup from the sports page and New York Times columnist Joe Nocera. Now, as selected by the editors of the New York Times, here are the stories on today's front page. The top stories written from Manila by Mark Landler. Obama defends his foreign policy. President Obama, stung by criticism of his response to turmoil from Eastern Europe to the Middle East, defended his approach to foreign policy as a slow but steady pursuit of American interest while avoiding military conflict, and he lashed out at those he said reflexively call for the use of force. Standing next to the Philippine President Benigno Aquino III, Obama said his critics had failed to learn the lessons of the Iraq War. On a day in which he announced new sanctions against Russia for its continued threats to Ukraine, Obama said his foreign policy was based on a workmanlike tending to American priorities that might lack the high drama of a wartime presidency, but also avoided ruinous mistakes. You hit singles, you hit doubles, every once in a while you may be able to hit a home run, Obama said at a news conference with Aquino. But we steadily advance the interest of the American people and our partnership with folks around the world. Obama's statement, delivered at the end of a week-long trip to Asia, was a rare insight into a second-term president sizing up his legacy as a statesman. By turns angry and rueful, his words suggested the distance he'd traveled from the confident young leader who accepted a Nobel Peace Prize with a speech about the occasional necessity of war. Obama offered this trip as Exhibit A for the virtues of an incremental approach. He nudged along trade negotiations with Japan, consoled a bereaved ally in South Korea, cultivated ties with the once hostile Malaysia, and signed a modest defense agreement with the Philippines. He drew a sharp contrast between the international coalition the United States had marshaled to pressure President Vladimir Putin and the proposals of some Republicans to funnel weapons to Ukrainian soldiers, which he mocked as ineffective. Why is it that everybody is so eager to use military force, Obama said? after we've just gone through a decade of war at enormous cost to our troops and to our budget. What is it exactly that these critics think would have been accomplished? Obama did not name his critics except to refer to them as foreign policy commentators in offices in Washington and New York. If we took all of the actions that our critics have demanded, we'd lose count of the number of military conflicts that America would be engaged in, Obama said. These days, one crisis follows on the heel of another. Even Obama's Asian trip, which he had put off from last October because of the government shutdown, was overshadowed by the tensions with Russia and the suspension of peace talks between the Israelis and Palestinians. 
For Obama, who spent his childhood years in Indonesia, Southeast Asia is normally a place to slow down to its tropical rhythms. Not this time. After his long, occasionally fiery response to a question on his foreign policy record from Ed Henry, a Fox News White House correspondent, Obama said, You got me all worked up.